Welcome to Changes in Latitudes, a Transgender Experience. A 40-something genderqueer person shares their observations, life stories, and the adventures of their journey through transition and beyond. And now, here's your host, the creator of it all, Charlie Sabrina Miller. Hey, hello, hello. Welcome back. Episode 81. Welcome to the show. It's so wonderful to be here. I love being here. You know, that band gets my toes a tapping every time. In fact, let's listen to that band. Ah, yeah, that's them. That's them. I love them. I love them. They get my toes a tapping. I feel like dancing. Every week, every week, and you know every week they get better? I swear they do. I swear they do. This week, the band is Hey Writer Girl! Yes, that's also a direct reference to our guest, Christine Newman, part two of her conversations coming up later in the show. So what that means is we are not going to do our normal thing around here. We're not going to have the countdown. We're on the uh, 25 famous women share the best advice they've either given or received. We're not going to do that this episode. We are not going to have a secondary topic just because that's what I do around here because the conversation is so wonderful. We don't need to interrupt it. And we're not going to do listener feedback. We're going to save that for next episode. And all our favorite spots, the countdown, the secondary topic, and listener feedback will all be back in their regular spots next episode. So come on back next week, and they'll be there. Welcome, new listeners. If this is the first episode you're listening to, I actually have a question. Why are you choosing part two of a conversation to listen to? I'm just kind of curious, only because I... If I saw part one, part two, you know, conversation with a person, part one, part two, I, I not, out of out of my own crazy curiosity, I would start with part one. But that's just me, and I know I'm a little off kilter, so that's okay. So if you want to start with this episode, part two of the conversation's totally cool. I'm just glad you're here. So welcome aboard. Thank you so very, very much. Welcome back, returning listeners, binge listeners, sporadic listeners, anybody who's heard one show before, you're now a returning listener, even if it was just last episode because you wanted to listen to Christine, and I'm totally cool by that, because now you are a returning listener, and I love that. Thank you so much for coming back. Last week, episode 80 was part one of my conversation, so if you haven't heard that, I highly, highly suggest going back to the archives and listening to that, because it just makes more sense with what you're about to hear in this episode. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. You can go over to the Blogspot, Changes in Latitudes podcast at blogspot.com. That's where all the show notes are. That's where all the special stuff that I put together is. That's where all that's housed. We also have a link for iTunes and a link for Stitcher. We have an Amazon affiliate link and a PayPal donate button. So check out those right there. We also have an audience survey button. You can click on that. Take about five to, I think, about seven minutes. Share your information and tell us what you think about the show. Cruise on over to Facebook, facebook.com slash changes in latitudes podcast. Interact with the show there. It's a lot of fun. I post things that are trans and not so trans. So, you know, because there's more to life than just being trans. Send me an email, changes in latitudes podcast at gmail.com and follow me on Twitter at CIL podcast. And while you're at it, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash changes in latitudes podcast and consider becoming a patron of the show. 
This episode is brought to us by my patron, Candace T. Longtime patron, longtime friend. Thank you so much, Candace, for being there for me and the show and all of that. I can't thank you enough. Thank you, thank you, and thank you. All right, I think we're done with the housekeeping. Let's get into the main topic. Main topic, the second part of my conversation with the lovely Christine Newman. If you really haven't heard part one, I highly suggest putting this on pause. We'll be here when you get back. Right here, put us on pause, go back and listen to part one because, you know, they go together like Abraham and Lincoln and Green Eggs and Ham and BLs and tea. You know, they just go together. So I highly suggest listening to part one. Now, if you didn't listen to part one, Christine Newman is a transgender woman in her 50s who is active in all LGBTQIA communities in Toronto and beyond. She and I actually met on Twitter. She's a longtime listener. Uh, we reached out to one another. She talked to me. I talked to her. I said, hey, would you like being on the show? And wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Here she is. Here she is. These are her two special episodes. So that's my little history with Christine. We got together on March 6th, 2016, sat down for a few hours, and this is the results. She mentions more so in this episode than last episode, the documentary news story called 16 by 9. I shared it on the Facebook feed. I shared it on Twitter, and I'm going to share it again because it needs to be seen. It needs to be heard. If you haven't heard it, if you haven't seen it, Please do yourself a favor. Take the 24 minutes and 22 seconds, I think is what it is. 25 minutes, round it up, you know, and watch it and share it. It is very, very well done. The thing I love about my conversation with Christine Newman is it was very loose and free-flowing. It supported the whole thing I say about stream of consciousness with this podcast. One thing leads to the other, and I yammer on. She and I did the same thing. And it made the editing so easy. It was so free-flowing. I loved it. It was... It, time literally flew by. It was so wonderful. So again, Christine, thank you for being on the show. Folks, be sure to follow her on Twitter at HeyWriterGirl, H-E-Y-W-R-I-T-E-R-G-R-R-L. Follow her there. That's the best way to stay in touch with her. Just so you know what she's talking about, before we sat down to record, she attended a protest in front of a church. And she talks briefly about that. So just so you're not left, left totally in the dark, that's what she's referring to. Also, I roll the beginning back of this part of my conversation only about a minute or two from last week. I did for a number of reasons. One, to get us up into speed again of the conversation, but more importantly, because it is so poignant, so important to hear. So the first two minutes is just a repeat of the end of last week's conversation, but it's worth it. During this part of my conversation, I mentioned that I have an upcoming episode about body language. That was episode 78. So go back to the archives and iTunes and Stitcher and check that out if you're so inclined and curious. As I was putting that episode together is when she sent me that link. And as I looked at that link, I said, oh, my God, this is exactly what I want to cover in that episode. The timing couldn't be better. Thank you so very much. So go back to the episode 78 to hear more about that. And again, I loved how we just so easily moved from one topic to the next. It was just wonderful. A, a pleasure to have her on the program. Also, last but not least, there was a little bit of background noise from her roommate. Well, life happens. It happens. I did what I could to clean it up a little bit, but it's still there. I hope it doesn't distract you too much. All right, enough of this. Let's finish my conversation with Christine. 
funny thing is, is that you talk to people like the former chief, who just before his retirement met with our committee and specifically to the trans women on the committee said, I need to clean something up with you folks first, particularly you ladies. And we're looking at him and it's like, what's that? Right. He said, when I started as a street cop in the seventies, I was the most ignorant prick on the street. He said, I used words, terms, and language to refer to particularly trans women. He said that I am embarrassed by now. He grew up. That's good. He said, so before we do anything else, will you accept my apology for being such an ass? Bravo. And it's just like, we've come a long way, baby. Oh, yeah. Huge leaps and bounds in just uh, my life alone. I mean, I've mm-hmm. mentioned in my show in the past how you know, I struggled with it in my early 20s and then you know, buried it into the closet for another 20 years. And in that 20 years, the amount of information that's available, but the way people are treating people as well, has, it, well, it's night and day. And, and I love that because now more people don't have to go through, well, specifically what I went through or mm-hmm. your individual uh, struggle, which is actually something I wanted to ask you. What was your, uh, uh, I don't want to use this word because it is not necessarily the correct word, but fear. Mm-hmm. What was your biggest fear or being, you know, what intimidated you the most before, you know, coming out? I mean, you said you came out at 16, so mm-hmm. that early life struggle versus, you know, what you did for the next, uh, what did you say, 30, 40 years? Yeah. Yeah. 30, 30, 34 years before I was able to medically transition. The easiest way to put it is like, you know, something's off, but you can't quite put your finger on it. Yeah. Um, you know, because I mean, it's drilled into us from a young age. Uh, boys don't sit like that. That's how girls sit. Oh my God. I just spoke about that on an episode. Yeah. Um, boys don't talk that way. That's the way girls talk. Yeah. Um, I mean, I actually wrote a column for, about this last year, in the early part of last year, uh, called Body Language from a Trans Perspective. That is so funny, because I saw that article, I perused it. One of the next episodes coming up on my list is all about body language, so I am going to reference your article. Oh, yeah. And so I said, the timing is just perfect. Yeah, because I, I said to the, you know, like the editor asked me, you know, would you, can you do something? Because we're... The the overall issue is called signs, reading the language. And I said, what did you want? And she said, can you write something about body language from your point of view? And so I said, okay, give give me a couple of weeks. And I mean, I, I don't sit down and like do a lot of research and pound these things out and so on and so forth. I literally walk around with it in my head for a week or more. And I'm looking at different aspects. And what if I said this? Well, that doesn't fit. What if I said that? Well, that's kind of fits, but not really. And I was uh, working uh, on a temporary basis with one of the business improvement associations, the one that uh, looks after the village, um, working with my favorite human being on the planet there, Stephanie. And the 
uh, I came in this one day and she said, okay, can you got something to keep yourself busy for a minute? Cause I've just got to handle this problem. I said, sure. Uh, I said, give me about 20 minutes. And she said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to write a column. Watch. Cause I had, you know, sort of laid it out in my head and I literally sat down, typed away like stream of consciousness, consciousness kind of thing. Like you say you do when you're recording your podcast. Exactly. And I literally banged out, you know, a thousand words and went through it, make sure that there was nothing glaringly grammatically wrong right. and shipped it off to the editor. And the uh, president of another media company asked me, he said, how much editing do they do on your articles? He said, basically look for misplaced commas. Mm. I said, I can show you that what I submitted versus what they printed. And it's almost word for word, exactly the same. Right. That's fabulous. And, That's good. Good, good, good. And I, yeah. And I said, that's what I came up with on that one. I said, is that looking at it from my perspective, I said, I had to play a role for 34 years. I had to play male to fit in, you know, to have a career, to work every day, you know, <clears throat> let them, you know, let them think I was a gay male, if that made them happy. All right. If that uh, was the pigeonhole they could put you in. Yeah. Because like, okay, you're awfully effeminate, but we'll stick you over here. Right. <clears throat> and it's this innate need of people to categorize everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So It's just a way to wrap, wrap your head around something, whether it's right or wrong. It's just a way that we all wrap our heads around it. Exactly. And then it's other people's jobs to say, no, 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 that's not quite correct. Take a look at this other area to segregate and put people in and let them do their own thing. And realize mm-hmm. everybody's individual and can make their own definition. And yeah. it can change. Exactly. Things are not set in stone. No, as it, much as we'd like, they're not. Everything's fluid. I said, <clears throat> I, I used to work with somebody when I was teaching. And they said, let me explain to you about life. The only thing you have to do in life is die. <laughs> yeah. And to add on to that, the only thing you have to do in life is die and pay taxes. Yeah. He said, the only thing that happens once you pop out of your mother's body, the only thing that's faded that's going to happen is you're going to die. Yep. Everything in between is a choice. I can do A or B, C or D, chocolate or vanilla, vanilla or strawberry. Said, Everything's a choice. Uh, some things are imposed upon you. Uh, you know, you're, sometimes your choices are picked for you. And I said, this was the thing with me is that, <clears throat> okay, I can't transition. I can't live as myself, you know, because me being excessively feminine at work would never have flown. Mm. Um, and so, you know, like from 16 on through, you know, like that was, I hated school with passion. You know, the, the 13 years of schooling were the worst 13 years of my life because I was bullied every day. Um, I, I would have panic attacks before going to school. Mm. So I was working full time. I was like 19 or 20. <clears throat> and back in the days when I had a great mane of hair, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I found myself a really good hairdresser in the Eaton Center downtown. You know, I, I like went into this place just for the hell of it to see if they could do something with this mop. Right. And then it's like, all right, let's give this a try. And that's where I met Leslie. 
Leslie was a 60-something gay male, flamboyant as hell, Hmm. funny as hell, and intelligent way beyond his years. Sorry for the background noise of the roommate in the kitchen. Okay, okay. Um, So he was the one, it was like the third time I'd gone to him, and it's like, we did it all. You know, we permed it, we colored it, we styled it, we did all kinds of wild shit with it. And it was like third time and I'm sitting in the chair and he was a real perfectionist fuss budget. Like he'd be down there with like heavy duty glasses on looking for stray hairs, just going snip, mm. snip. Cause it had to be like magazine cover perfect or you weren't allowed out of his chair. Oh, wow. So I'm sitting in his chair one Saturday. I'm like 19 at the time, 20. And he looks at me in the mirror and he goes, Tell me something. And I said, what do you want to know? And I mean, this is your hairdresser. You talk about more stuff with your hairdresser than you do your therapist. <laughs> yeah, at times. And so I said, what are you dying to know? He said, you're a woman, aren't you? Mm. How the hell do you know? He says, oh, sweetheart, as much as you try to butch it up, he said, it screams out of everything you do. He said, I've been around a long time, honey. He says, you think I couldn't peg you as soon as you came in the first time? And he said, do you go out much? And I said, no, not at all. And he says, great, here's what we're going to start doing. He said, Saturdays? He said, you're going to be my last client of the day. He said, and he said, and we're going to like do you up to the nines. He said, and then you're coming out with my boyfriend and I, and we're going to take you to all the good places to go. Safe places. That's great. And he said, but here's the word of warning. He said, Gay men hate trans women with a passion. He said, if they even sniff it on you, he said, be prepared to get a beating worse than they've ever had in any gay bashing. He said, and I've seen them do it. Mm. He said, so for your own personal safety, while while we take you out, you know, on Saturday nights, if anybody questions you, you tell them you're a gay male. Hmm. And I thought, interesting. And it's one of those little lessons that you store away. Because he was right. I did see it in some places. It's like if they even sniffed anything effeminate about somebody, it was just like, no, you were not welcome. It's so sad. And I still don't understand why that hatred is there. Neither do I. But it's just sort of like, is it because of the stereotypes of the limp-wristed, lisping, fey male, you know, was the caricature uh, was the caricature of a gay male. So it's like for them to hide it, they had to really butch it up, right? And so anybody who showed any sign of anything effeminate was, you know, an affront to their senses and put them in danger. So they had to remove the problem. Mm. Gotta love um, that type of thinking. Yeah. And I said, you know, granted, this is over 30 years ago. Um, you know, the younger generations, it's not an issue. My no. generation and previous, it's still an issue. Oh, yeah. Because um, <clears throat> I still run into it regularly. Really? Yeah. That surprises me. Yeah. Now, the funny thing is... <clears throat> I was downtown uh, in the village one day, 
a um, couple years ago, and I was meeting my buddy, Danielle, who's the LGBT liaison officer for the service. Um, and we were meeting for coffee, as we do, we try to do every couple of months, just to sort of catch up and other projects because she said i hate meeting you for coffee i said why she's because i walk away with 10 more things to do <laughs> <laughs> so i'm standing outside having a cigarette before i go into starbucks to wait for her. and a couple of guys come out of a, lo- a bar next door and this drove the point home to me that my friend rachel keeps telling me visibility equals liberty and hmm. someday it's it's funny the days that I don't try, you know that I don't get I don't get too arsed about how I look when I go out the door. It's just like, honey, you're lucky I put clothes on today. Oh yeah, those moments. I I think everyone yeah. experiences those. Those are the days that I'm the most passable. <laughs> funny enough, and I asked a friend, a cisgendered friend, about it, and I said, "What do you think the difference is?" She said, "Because you're more at home when you're not made up and done up." Ah, yeah, I can see that for sure. She said, you know, you're more grounded. Um, You know, she saw a picture of me from the book launch that I was at last night. She goes, oh, my God, you did it again. I said, what? She said, you went out without a wig and makeup on. Mm. And I said, yeah, it's a Saturday night. Why would I? (laughs) (laughs) I, You know, I wasn't filming an interview. I wasn't having to do anything. There were cameras around. I said, so I'm just... It's going to be me, you know, this is me, take me as I am, like it or lump it. Sorry, sweet cheeks, this is as good as it gets. <laughs> and she said, yes, but she says, that's when you're, you're at your most beautiful and grounded. Mm-hmm. She said, when you're just out there, don't give a shit, you don't like it, tough titty, because this is us, this, this is as good as it gets. Right, right. Well, the truer you is shining through. Uh-huh. And I said, you know, and that's, you know, definitely when my colorful old broad shows up, too. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <clears throat> I mean, I was, and I said, so, like, this is the sort of thing that it came in handy over the years, especially in the workplace, as the one way to bury it was to learn how to butch it up. Mm. And I mean, sometimes I would, you know, slip up. Um, and it's, it's like, I would forget and let my nails grow long. Right. And of course I have nails like steel, except for right now. Cause I had a shellac manicure and it made a mess of them. Oh uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. But, um, <clears throat> you know, like they don't break, they don't chip, they don't fray. Lucky you. Yeah, I, I know. I, I can't, genetics. I, oh, mine break all the freaking time. I'll get it to just a nice level, and it'll be good for a few days, and then it'll catch on something, or I'll bump it, or in the night it catches on something. I don't know, but Mm -hmm. I I lose them all the time. And, of course, I never grew them long when I was in school because I was always in music. Well, what did you do? What did you play? um, I started music lessons when I was four. Oh, wow. Um, By the time I graduated high school, I could play ten different instruments. My lord, wow. What was yeah. your what would you start on when you were four? What did you start on? A piano accordion. Piano accordion? Yeah. That's not that's not a that's a very unique instrument to start on. Mm-hmm. I Do you still keep from, it up? Uh no. Uh I went from that to guitar, six and twelve string. Wow. Uh from that to piano. From piano to organ. 
then I picked up violin, viola, cello, bass, and flute. My word. You're your, you're your own orchestra. Hell yeah. <laughs> I, I, am, I, I can entertain myself for hours on end. So I'm guessing you don't play publicly, or what's that part of your story? Um, I played professionally when I was young. Um, and then once I got out of high school, I went into the workforce, and I never had time for it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I literally went from grade 13 right, into, right to work and usually had two jobs on the go at any given time. Wow. And um, there was just never time for it. Mm. And, you, and you don't anymore? Or do you keep one instrument around for you know, um, once in a while? I still keep my hand in. I don't have anything you know, at hand anymore. I, I keep telling myself one of these days I'll pick up the used uh, 6 or 12 string again. Right. Um, I mean, I know what I'd like to buy, but you know, <laughs> that involves a lottery win or finding a really good corner. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, the cost of instruments is expensive. I mean, but they're, they're masterpieces. You know, they're, they're made to be what they are. Mm. So, but it's just like, but like I say, that, you know, it came in handy over the years at work because let's face it, you know, um, the world, like I started out and uh, I worked, you know, well, I mean, I was most, I started off in accounting. That was what I trained in in high school. Okay. Um, that didn't last too long because EDP, as it was known in those days for electronic data processing. Right. Um, caught wind of the fact that I could type. Oh. And so I used to get borrowed on a regular basis to go up and help them out with key punch. Right. And eventually they just kept me. Um, that's also where I damaged my hearing severely because I didn't wear hearing protection in those days and those ancient bloody printers were noisy as fuck. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like nowadays I'm less than 45% bilaterally. Oh, wow. Um, so I wear two hearing aids. Um, people are always amazed that I don't wear them in public. Really? And they say, you know, why, why do you take your hearing aids out when you go out in public? I said, well, one, they don't have a, they don't have a power switch. Uh, I said, two, why do I want to hear what shit people are saying behind my back? <laughs> True. I said, because where the microphones are placed, I can eavesdrop behind me simply when I have, the, when I have them cranked up full. And <clears throat> so it comes, it's come in useful a few times. Because I, I, again, hilarious things. Um, but I said, you also hear the snide remarks in the comments. And it's the, I can go out and I could be having a wonderful fucking day. And then some jackass will say something off color or I'll hear tranny, freak, faggot, whatever. Right. Fill in the blank there. Yeah. And it's just like your self-confidence just goes right to zero. Yeah. No matter how strong you are, it does. It takes a hit. Yeah. And I said, and it's the perfect, it's the perfect dysphoria trigger for me. Yeah, for a lot of people. Me too. And I said, and if it triggers it bad enough, I said, I'm not going to leave the apartment for a few days. Right. Um, 
I have a very dear trans friend who said to me, you'll know when you've arrived at that point in your transition, when every morning when you get up and look in the bathroom mirror, when you stumble in there to go to the, use the facilities, you will see female looking back at you consistently. Yeah. And I know, that, I know when I hit that mark. And when, but when my dysphoria is triggered, I don't see it at all. Yeah, you see the old you, the uh, the one that you had in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, i i have a I have a very lovely friend who lives in Nashville. Um, you may know her. She came became rather infamous for a T-shirt she wore on a casual Friday. Oh. That says, "Transgender veteran, I fought for your right to hate me." I've seen the picture. I've seen yes, the picture. Carla, yeah, Carla Lewis. That's funny. I, I just ab- saw that the other day too. Yeah, I absolutely adore that woman. Um, her and her wife are two fabulous women. Um, and, you know, and it's like, and even her, it hits her at times. It hits everyone. Yeah. I mean, anybody can say anything hateful or degrading to anyone. Mm-hmm. And it's going to hit you. No matter who you are, no matter what your trans identity might be or your sexual orientation may be. Somebody will say something, and it'll hit you the wrong way and knock you down. It's a, exactly. it's a human thing. Mm-hmm. So. It just, I think we're more susceptible to it because there's so much more out there, so much more uh, available to attack. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like some days I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know, really, people, you know what? Keep your opinion to yourself. Right. Because I really don't need to hear your shit. I said, so my solution to that is to take my hearing aids out when I go out in public. I, I've heard that from, from many people, many different people that even just want to cut out the background white noise. They mm-hmm. don't, don't want to hear uh, a, a restaurant, you know, the, the right. clinking and clanking of dishes, the other conversations in other booths. So, yeah, no. Well, that's... funnily enough, I have a setting on my hearing aids called restaurant. Get out. Really? Yes. That's that hilarious. Drops. That drops the levels, so I don't hear those things. That's fantastic. Yeah, and the the thing is, is that I, if I can find the study, I will send it to you. Please do, um, because I read it not too long ago. There is, um, and it's more common than they originally thought. It's like even before my hearing started to drop drastically, it. Um, if I'm out in some, if I'm out somewhere and there's a low bass noise, right, I completely lose everything else around me. Yeah, I can understand that. I I, I wouldn't def- just describe it as a low bass noise. I, the only way I can describe it right now is that ambient white noise. But if that gets too overbearing or too loud, it just drives me nuts because I have to say, I'm sorry, what? Would you say? And yeah. or, and try to make sense of it all. So, yeah, a study on this would be great because I was looking for stuff on the Internet and I couldn't find anything. But I don't know if I would describe it as a as a low bass noise. Yeah. Well, for me, that's what happens is if there's like if there's like a thumping bass, especially in music. Okay. yes, yes. Which I don't understand why people have to crank that. But that's another story. But if if it's like if if there's music in a background music in a restaurant or a bar and there's too much bass to it, I can't hear the person sitting right next to me. Yeah, yeah, that's with that's... my hearing aids in, cranked up full blast. Oh, yeah, I, I can relate to that. Where I mean, except for the hearing aid part, because I'll just I miss it. Mm-hmm. And 
So, you know, some people have, have gone uh, – like last year we were walking up to Queen's Park to see the second reading of Bill 77, which is Leela's Law, the law that passed in Ontario that banned conversion therapy on youth. Okay, right, yes. And a friend came with me, and we walked up to Queen's Park for the second reading. And she said, why do you take hearing aids out when you go out like this? And I said, you listen to what happens when we pass people. Mm. And by the time we got up to Queen's Park, which is about a 35-minute walk, and she looked rather horrified. And as, or as I say, I'm putting my ears back in when we get there. <laughs> right, yes. I mean, friend, friends who know me well know to ask if I'm not responsive right away. You got your ears in, sweetheart. Mm-hmm. Um, and she looked rather horrified, and I said, so, what did you hear? She says, I don't even think it's worth repeating. I said, and how often did you hear it? She says, almost every person who walked by us wow. had something shitty to say. Mm. I said, and now you know why I don't wear my hearing aids in public. Mm. Yeah, it just now, makes said, you wonder why people have to yeah. say those things. Now, I said, here's the funny thing, though. And, and it's interesting because I think to myself, what have they met or seen before that I'm such a difference for them? Because people in my neighborhood have said to me, you don't realize what a staple of this community you are. And I said, me? (laughs) I've only lived here three years. And I said, granted, you saw me when I moved in before I started to medically transition. So you saw the old me, which looks nothing. And even I'm surprised when I I do a side-by-side shot. I take a picture of me from two years ago and look at me now. Yeah, a lot of people do. I can't get over it. Yeah, I can't get over it. Because, like you say, I see this puss in the mirror every morning. I don't necessarily notice it. But when I do something like that, and it's just like, holy good God, look at that. Yeah, yeah, I, even I've done that. And I'm, I'm not medically transitioning. I, I, I've noticed the difference as well. well I just had I, one of those uh, what, uh, time hop things pop up. It was a, a two-year mark. Hair was much shorter. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was just uh, night and day. Night and day. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna pose something to you and take this take this away and play with it in your mind for a little bit. Okay. You don't have to necessarily medically transition to get the effect of being comfortable in your own skin. Yes. And yes. when you're comfortable in your own skin, how you physically appear outwards changes. Absolutely. Absolutely. To to bring it back around to, you know, any theatrical acting terms of the craft, we'll say, Mm -hmm. uh, you build a character from the inside out. Now, some characters you got to build from the outside in with wardrobe and, you know, uh, maybe makeup and prosthetics and such. But when you build a character, this living, breathing individual that's happening on stage or screen, you build it from the inside out. And the same is true for you when you are comfortable with yourself. Exactly. I mean, I notice it, you know, with my trans daughter. She is um, coming up on six months on HRT. Because she's young, under 25, your body is still very fluid until you hit 25. Yeah, yeah. So she's starting to notice the effects probably uh, quicker than the average. She's seeing stuff happening at six months that I didn't see till well past a year. Right, exactly. And. Granted, you know, my doctor said to me, he said, look, you're 50, you're close to 54. 54 is the median age for menopause. 
Oh, I didn't even think of that. And he said, so if you're willing to, you know, risk it, would you, you know, can we, you know, shall we try pushing the doses a little stronger than recommended so that we can achieve as much in the way of results as possible before you hit 54? Smart thinking doctor. And I went, oh, hell yeah, let's do it. And I mean, and the funny thing is, is that, you know, they, these are the things you don't notice. It's like, I didn't notice that my bus line had developed as much as it had. Huh. You know, they're just there. Right, right. Yeah, because you're, you're changing daily, but you don't see it. And, and you don't necessarily notice it because you just adjust to whatever things are different. You know, like, you know, don't reach that way because you're going to slam against it with your arm. That's going to be sore. <laughs> right, yeah. You only you got to stub your toe a couple times to realize you don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. It's just like, you know, don't lean over the fridge door that way because you're going to be pressing right on them. Bam! <laughs> 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 yeah. And it's yeah. those silly-ass things you do sometimes. It's like, oh, shit, don't do that. <laughs> Rediscovering so, the body. Yeah. And... I said, so I had gone downstairs. Uh, I was downstairs having a coffee with a friend. And so we said, let's go, let's pop out and have a cigarette. You know, I'm sure there are many people that would give me hell for still, be, still being a smoker. Um, I did quit uh, before I started HRT. I was off for a year. Good for you. I just ran into this one problem, was getting attacked on the street one night. Oh. And... Um, as the police described it, a violent sexual assault. Yeah. And uh, the first thing I did was reach for pack smokes. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's those, it's those triggers. It's those situations where you, you need to have that friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I have friends in the medical profession who said, it's probably easier for you, as stupid as this sounds, because some people would think they were, you know, they were off, completely off their rocker if they heard them say it in, in person. Uh, but a few of them said to me, it's probably easier for you to smoke again and quit than it is to put you back on all those various, you know, mood-altering drugs. Wow. And then wean you off them again. Wow. Mm. And I said, yeah, just as long as I quit smoking at least six months before I go for SRS. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, so I said, yeah, I, you know, and I've, like, I've worked myself down again. Good for you. So it's like, you know, a couple of weeks, sometimes a couple of days, just depends on the day. He said, you know, eventually it'll dwindle down to nothing again. But, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, some people drink. Uh, you know, some people do whatever they do. And it's just like, you know, and I, I said, I have issues with certain things. I said, but sometimes I just think to myself, honey, whatever gets you through the day. True. Very true. Sometimes um, it's those things. Yeah. And of course, I've done it again. I had three thoughts enter my head all at once and all three of them derailed. Did you hear the crash? Just now? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it happens. It's life. It happens. It's just it's oh, podcasting. Yeah. It's not a studio. Oh, I know what it was. Yeah. So he had popped outside for a cigarette while we were having coffee. And somebody else who lives in my building had come down looking to bum a cigarette off somebody. Of course. There are those, there's always those people. Oh, God, yeah. 
<clears throat> and you get to know who they are and you avoid them real damn quick. Oh, yeah. Um, and so I'm talking to my friend and I realize this guy from his from my building is staring at my chest. Oh. I mean, this is not like a side eye kind of thing. This is like out and out. I'm surprised his tongue wasn't out his mouth drooling. <laughs> and I'm thinking, what in the name of God are you looking at? And I looked down and I went, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> They're a little obvious in this now, aren't they? <laughs> wow. That was the first time I'd noticed them. Hmm. Because up until that point, nobody had been that glaringly obvious about staring at them in such a fashion. And it's like, and then the light bulb goes on. Oh my God, you just realized how women get objectified on a daily basis because this clown's looking at your boobs. Hmm. Welcome to the club, sister. Right, right. Exactly. And I said, and it always amazes me. The level to which people think that they have free reign to discuss and comment on whatever changes I have gone through. Hmm. Um, and it's just like, oh, honey, you think I don't know my jeans fit better these days? <laughs> yeah, because I have hips and an ass now. That's why. Never had it before. Right. You know, but sure as hell do now. Right. And it's just like. Yeah, don't wear anything that's too tight through the chest because you won't be able to breathe and you're squeezing the hell out of them. Because they went from zero to a C cup in 18 months. Oh, my. Yeah. Um, thankfully, they stopped. <laughs> <laughs> well, ultimately, as I've discussed, with, I haven't said this on the show, but in, in with friends in person, I've said, you know, it, as long as it suits your frame and who you are as a person, then they're fine. You don't need to be what other people think you need to be. Well, see, this is like the the recent announcement of changes to the way the Healthcare Act is handled in Ontario. Because this this is something that was never covered before. If you're a trans woman, you have been on hormones for a minimum of 12 months and you have had zero breast development. And it looks like there's going to be zero breast tissue development to follow. You qualify for augmentation surgery. Oh, that's fabulous to hear. We need that and here. And it's going to be covered. We need that here. Yeah. I mean, that's your great SRS is covered. And right, under right. the new guidelines, they're removing a lot of the old gatekeepers and roadblocks like CAMH. Yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're making those changes as well. And, and certain healthcare systems here in America are now offering uh, SRS and confirmation or whatever term mm. you want to use now. Yeah, I've I've heard it called many things over the years. Well, just like everything, the the terms change and redevelop and redefine themselves and make them a more neutral language or more positive language. And I I, I totally understand that. I'm I may because because I'm 43, I may flip back into language from you know 10, 20, 30 years ago because that's oh, yeah. that's my history. But you know, I don't mean any any disrespect or to you know call it the quote unquote wrong thing. Because it's not the new way to call something. It's just because that's the history. That's just, that's just the history of, of my personal life. Exactly. And I mean, I, I, have, I, I spoke to a group once. And they, uh, someone, somebody in the room asked me, well, what if you do if you mess up and you use the wrong pronoun or you misgender somebody? Good question. Said, if it's done innocently, 
and it's an accident, clean it up and move on. Right, exactly. Don't dwell on it because you make it 10 times worse. Right, exactly. I mean, it may sting, quote unquote, a little bit, but it's not malicious. It's not an attack. It's a simple accident. They happen. Yeah, I mean, and, and they said, well, how do you do it? I said, oh, honey, I said, I've been around for bloody ever. I still make the mistake. Yeah. I said, ask any of my non-binary friends how many times I've slept up. Right. Well, just to think of it as, a, as, a, as an everyday could happen to anybody scenario, how many times have you called the person the wrong name? Just because, you know, you were just thinking about the other name a moment ago. And so you say the wrong name. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to call you Bob. Okay, Steve. So what were we talking about? It's, yeah. it's, a, it's an accident. It happens. Our brains do that. Yeah. And it's just we got a little more challenges when we're trans. That's all. Exactly. And, and so it was one of these things. I mean, I, I have, a, you know, I have my various funny outs for it. Um, I think many do. Yeah, because uh, I'll look at somebody and I'll go, all right, sweetheart, um, you need to remind me of your name because it's agent hormones and I'm rotting my brain. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's one. Um, <clears throat> I said, you know, the little gray cells don't necessarily all line up and fire at the same time like they used to. Right. Um, and I, I, I said, you know, I, I said to people, I said, Here, here's my thing. I said, for God's sake, lighten up. Yeah, I know uh, many people, some of whom were acquaintances or friends. And I mean, I really wanted to take them by the shoulder some days and give them a shake and say, will you take that stick out of your ass? Yeah, there's a few in town that I want to say that too as well. Um, and of course, and if I get irritated enough, I will just say it. <laughs> 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 uh, you know, it's just like me. You know, some days, no filters. Uh, there are some that I know that despise anything cisgender because cisgender is evil to them. I've crossed paths with people like that, and I do not understand that. I don't. I honestly don't get it. Because it's, I mean, it's that you're giving them fuel to hate us back. Yeah. And, I mean, I have friends who are cisgender allies who supported me since day one, um, you know, who have, you know, referred to me by female pronouns even when I forget, <laughs> especially in the beginning. Right, yeah. You know, because, like, you know, in the early stages of transition, even I would forget and call it's myself a, my dead name. Right, it's a, it's a reprogramming. It's a rethinking. Yeah. And you can't um, beat yourself up when you, when you slip. No. And one of them said to me, this friend of yours who's always ranting about, you know, cisgenders are evil and so on. You know, they, what? She, she, they said, she does realize without us, there ain't going to be any more of you. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I said, well, there's that. Um, I said, some people go through life with a bee permanently up their arse. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> I would be more likely than tempted often or not more often than not to offer to remove it for them. But, <laughs> and I, I said, they don't realize, you know, yes, I get angry about shit too. Regularly. <laughs> I see stuff that I'm just like, Oh my God, really? And I can get into a full blown rant. That's usually when I'm at my most colorful. <laughs> of course. And, right. 
And I'm also told that when I'm really pissed and ranting, <clears throat> my accent comes out thick. And I said, which one? They said, what's your favorite? What's, what's the one word everybody picks up on with you with your accent? I said, oh, yeah, teetotalers. <laughs> and I said, because I have friends from the UK, and I will drop something like that into a conversation, and they go, oh, your English is showing. um you know because previous generations to me were all from the uk so okay you know i heard i heard the accent at home and but of course i was a first generation canuck so i lost it oh right of course course, well it's covered well (laughs) Uh, a friend from the uk said you sound like a mix of canadian and american yeah in listening to you that's where i would peg you yeah, and I said, yeah, I said, until I, until I get colorful and ranting, I said, and then I sound like a bloody Brit. <laughs> and I said, and eventually, and I said, and, and every time, you know, from time to time, I will, you know, use a term that's familiar to me. Um, again, you know, my one friend said to me, she says, Jesus, Murphy, she says, sometimes you write shit on Facebook, and I have to go get an urban dictionary to look up what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> I said, why? What threw you off this time? She said, totally chuffed. Yeah, I wouldn't know that either. I said, yeah, I said, thoroughly excited. Okay. For for me to North Americanize it for you. (laughs) (laughs) Please do, yes. Yeah, and I said, said, that's all right, honey. I said, I still have to remember what I'm writing for the U.S. publications that I write for. I need to drop the extra U. (laughs) Uh, Yes, yes. I said, because I make my editors batshit crazy when I use the extra U and two spaces after a period. And now a word from our sponsor. When you need a professional who specializes in writing, photography, or web design, contact Tom Slayton. At Tom's website, TomSlayton.com, you'll find brilliant WordPress themes, discounts and links for fantastic online services, and sage wisdom from the master himself, Tom Slayton. TomSlayton.com even features a wonderful eclectic collection of photographs seldom seen elsewhere. Visit TomSlayton.com. That's T-O-M-S-L-A-T-I-N.com. Tom Slayton. TomSlayton.com. Folks, if you haven't had a chance to check out Tom Slayton, go there right now. Go check out TomSlayton.com. I can't tell you enough how much he has helped the show in the last year's change that he's been part of it. It is so wonderful to have him there. So share the love. Pay it forward. This week, I'm going to talk about TomSlayton.com forward slash the stairway. It's one of his pictures. He's, he is such a great photographer. It's wonderful. The stories his pictures tell are so verbose. I mean, when they say a picture is worth a thousand words, yeah, his are. His truly, truly are. This picture is an old run-down stairway. It was going up to something at some point, a building, I'm guessing, or a home or something. But there's nothing there but woods. It's just walking up to the next level in the woods. So it's been there quite a while. But the character that this has is just remarkable. The shadows, the lights, the highlights, all of it plays so well together. And just by a fluke of nature, in the distance, in the background, two very vertical trees frame in this staircase. So... Take a rest stop on the internet. Go check out TomSlayton.com forward slash the stairway and show Tom some love. 
And now the rest of my conversation with Christine Newman. For, for, for me to North Americanize it for you. <laughs> <laughs> Please do, yes. Yeah, and I, and she, I said, I said, that's all right, honey. I said, I still have to remember when I'm writing for the U.S. publications that I write for, I need to drop the extra U. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. I said, because I make my editors batshit crazy when I use the extra U and two spaces after a period. I always and use I said, two spaces. That's how I was taught. Yeah, exactly. And I said, if I really want to make them batty, I said, I use my Oxford commas. <laughs> and they're like, this doesn't make any sense. I said, all right, honey, take the commas out and read it again. Oh, you're right. It does. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I said, I, honestly, I don't understand. And, and it's like, I, and I hear it even within my own communities, communities up here. You know, how could you work with the police? Why would you join sides with the oppressors? Oh, what? yeah, of course. Yeah. And I said, let me tell you something, sweet cheeks. Um, the bathhouse raids happened 35 years ago. We've moved on. Um, I said, <clears throat> consider this. There are three trans women on the CCC. We have a voice that is listened to regularly. And I said, you all might think we're fangirls or something. I said, but trust me, I said, when they slip up, the first ones they hear from are the three of us. And it's usually the same message each time. Duh, fuck. <laughs> That's good. That's and, good. And I said, keep them in I line. Mean, I, I loved it because when I was, they were having a bake sale to raise funds for their MS walk, one of the departments at headquarters. And, you know, they're, they're just getting into social media, cops on the street, you know, that well, only within the past year or two. This okay. is all a new adventure for them, being on Facebook and Twitter. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, I have a number of them who follow me on Twitter because for some reason they find me fascinating. But I'm big on education and information. Yes, yes, you but are. They, if they want to learn, they follow my Twitter account. And then we get to know each other, and then we start to interact, and they find out what a, what a nutty old broad I can be, <laughs> especially with all my cat pictures. Yes, um, I've seen the number of them. Yeah, and I said, so there's like, you know, that I, like I'll post something occasionally, like my daily thought. I posted one at the end of February, which was just sort of a, let's throw it out there and see if anybody responds to it. And it's actually going to be what I'm going to open my guest lecture with at uh, Ryerson this coming Wednesday. And I'm just looking for it right here. Here it is. And I said, I loved this when I first saw it. I said, because it reminded me of those of us who took part in that 16 by 9 documentary for Global. And it says, you're not a victim for sharing your story. You are a survivor setting the world on fire with your truth. And you never know who needs your light, your warmth, and raging courage. Mm. And I said, oh, that really resonates with me. So I posted it on Twitter as my daily thought. And I said, okay, let's see if anybody responds to it. It went ballistic. Everybody was, you know, tweeting it, uh, art, retweeting it, quoting it. Great. It's like, I saw numbers on that like I've never seen before on anything I've ever posted. And I went, perfect. That's the opening 
for my guest lecture at Ryerson on Wednesday. It's nice how those things come about. Mm-hmm. Because I have a, another one that's a variation on it. It's about, you know, when you stand and, sh- and share your story from a position of strength, you not only heal yourself, but you heal the person listening to it. Exactly, exactly. That's, that's one of the reasons why I, I started and continue to do my show. That's exactly why, because I'm growing, I'm learning, I'm sharing, and then I get feedback like yours and from uh, other people that I've mentioned in the past, and it's, uh, it's very cathartic. I, I enjoy it. I mean, as I've said in my show in the past, I'm a horrible podcast listener now because I'm putting my own show together, mm-hmm. but I'm listening to shows from about a year, about 13 months ago now, and my own show is in the rotation of shows I listen to, so I'm going back to the beginning right now, it seems, and re-listening, reliving these episodes that I put out in the beginning, and it is so cathartic, so cathartic. Exactly. And it's like I had, you know, I had taken a sniff around your podcast previously. Yeah, I wanted to ask, how did you find my show? Um, It was literally looking for anything transgender related on iTunes. I've done that search myself. Yeah. And then, you know, and it's like I, I drop in, listen to one or two, you know, or maybe just one, depending on the length. Right, of course. And how much time I have. And so it's just like, I was like an occasional drop in, pick up an episode, listen to it. And it's like, hmm, that's interesting. I think I have a few of those. Yeah. As then, my pal, Dara Hoffman Fox, did two episodes with you. Ah, yes. She's marvelous. I loved having that conversation with her. And I went, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, I hit subscribe. I got I to gotta hang on to this one. Thank you. Thank you so much. It, it, in your responses, your quick ones on Twitter, your emails have just been so wonderful. I mean, I've mentioned them on listener feedback in the past. You, oh, I know I saved that. those episodes. Yeah. Well, I would too in your seat. I would too, absolutely. <laughs> and it was so refreshing to, to have you out there as a listener because you, know, you, you responded and I checked out your Twitter and you re- emailed. And so I checked out the links, not in detail, but checked them out and was like, oh, mm-hmm. this is great. And then I think after I looked at the, the set, one of the second links you sent, I said, oh, I got to get her on the show. And so, uh-huh. I, so I emailed you, and now here we are. But uh, exactly, it, yeah, I well, was. I mean, I, it's so I wonderful have told to have you. More friends that I was doing this today. Oh yay! Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Even the people I was at the protest with this morning, and um, you know, and they were saying, like, "Well, what's it about?" And I said, "Go download an episode and listen to it." Yay! Thank you. Thank I you. Said, I can describe it to you, and I can't give it adequate you know, props in my own words. I said, you have to experience it for yourself. Thank you. You know, I I have said, you know, people have asked me about, you know, the documentary again. And, you know, what's it like? What's it about? You got to watch it. And I said, well, I said, let me put it to you this way. If you are at all fragile on certain topics or are triggered easy by others, don't watch it unless there's somebody, you know, sitting there with you while you watch it so you can discuss. Right. And they said, how do you mean? I said, all right, I'll put it to you this way. We had a little viewing party, the three gals from the backyard taping mm-hmm. um, at one of the, what went to Ajika's place. And 
we watched it live. And then I was watching Twitter to see as soon and, and YouTube. And as soon as it went up on YouTube, the first thing I did was tweet Jaleesa down in Detroit and said, here it is, go. Right, yeah. Because she doesn't get the global signal in Detroit. And so then more people came over who hadn't been there when it aired live. So we pulled it up on Apple TV and watched it again. Right. And so I thought, okay, this is the end of it. You know, we've had a good night. We sat around. We've had a few drinks, you know, dug into the veggies and dip, had a, you know, had a little pig out, time to go home. You know, basically forget about it. It's like, okay, it's, it, it's been aired. It aired nationally across the country, coast to coast. <clears throat> and I thought, okay, we probably won't hear much about this. And <clears throat> the next morning, I literally opened my eyes, rolled over, and my iPad was exploding wow. with, with notifications. Wow. And <clears throat> on the Friday night when Global National News did a promo for it, I was getting messages from people across Canada. Oh, wow. Who somehow managed to take me and my name, like from the, from the profiles page, because they also had a profiles page on the show's website. Okay of all of us there and like which listed links to us on social media or websites or whatever. Okay, right, yeah. I said so people track me down either through my writer page on Facebook, my personal page on Facebook or my account on Twitter or somewhere else. And even on Instagram. Mm. A young trans woman in the US watched it on YouTube and took a screen capture of it and posted it on Instagram. Mm. and said how inspired she was by the three women in that conversation and how we had validated her experience and her existence. I love hearing that. I get, I get feedback from uh, individuals that way, and it just, you know you did well when someone reaches out like that. Exactly. And, and, I, and then we got, I got feedback from people in the U.K., who saw it on YouTube, who saw the conversation, who saw the links firing back and forth on Twitter right? on the Saturday night. The Sunday morning, <clears throat> I was like, and I had like messages all over the place, and I saw my best friend Rachel had left me a note on Messenger, so I went and read that first. And this is Rachel and her partner, Carol Ann, to a T. They watched the show the night before, and they wanted to know... How can they bring that homeless trans boy from Edmonton to Toronto to live with them so they can look after him? Oh, that's fabulous. That's marvelous. And I <sighs> said, oh, my God. And it's like, literally, this is Rachel and Carol Ann to a T. If you know these two women, they are so friggin' adorable as a couple. And they have hearts as big as the city. Mm. And... The funny thing is, is that they are both uh, studying to be ordained. Mm. They are both doing their, you know, masters of divinity. Um, I think this is going to be Rachel's third or fourth university degree. Oh, my. <laughs> and I so completely see them in it. Because they're not getting into it for the religion. They're getting into it to make a difference for people. Perfect. And again, that comes back to my old point about, you know, what do people want more than anything else as a, in, in their existence as a human being is to make a difference for others. Yeah. 
yeah, that's that's uh, the bigger picture of why I do my show, why I'm sharing my story. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so <clears throat> when we and this was all taped in September, uh, it didn't air till December because it took that long to edit 25 hours worth of. Video yeah, of course, of course. Into a really killer 25 minute package. And the, the senior producer for the episode told me they took three days to edit the last two minutes. Oh, wow. Well, that sounds about right. And she said, you know, we argued and debated and tried different versions and different ways and different orders. And she said, because the last two minutes we had to really pack a punch. Yeah. And that night when I got home on the Saturday night, Again, my kid's messaging me like crazy. Hmm. And I said to her, what's wrong? And she's like, I'm sobbing my eyes out over here. And I said, I'm going to call you. And this wasn't just like your standard ugly cry. This is the (laughs) kind of cry. And I said, what happened? I'm thinking horrible thoughts. And and she finally calmed down enough. She had watched the show. Hmm. And she said, I had been coming home from work and bitching and complaining to myself because I had to get off the subway because this part of it was shut down and take a shuttle bus to the next station that was running again and get back on. Then they had another problem. We had to get off the bus. And then I got home and I ordered a pizza. And by the time it finally got here, the goddamn thing was cold. And there was bitch, 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 Mm. bitch. And she says, then I sat down and watched the show. I mean, she's known me for... I was probably five months into transition when she first met me. And so she's like, you know, and it's funny because she regularly says that I'm her biggest inspiration. Mm. And, and I'm thinking, but I'm just me. You know, I'm just me being me existing in the world. I am not anything special, but I discount other people's opinions. Right, right. And so I said to her, I said, so what was it that triggered it, honey? <clears throat> and she said, I watched it and I was being very student-like, taking notes and, you know, some of the stuff you talked about, you've told me about before. <clears throat> and she said, and then they got to the last two minutes. And Ivana said the line, we are powerful. And it hit her like that. Hmm. And the floodgates opened. Right. And it's like everything that happened in that last two minutes was just like another punch. And I said, that tells me they did the job. Right. Right. Because let's face it. The news media have not always been generous or gentle when it comes to the trans community in the past. Oh, no. No matter what country you're in. So... We chatted, and then she immediately went and recorded a video for her YouTube channel. Still red eyes like mad, still weepy. You know, you can hear the emotion in her voice. Right. And she talks about watching the show and then linked to it. Now, I mean, I'm proud as hell of this this kid. She's got 280,000 subscribers plus on YouTube. Wow. When she came out last year, she came out to me and she came out to her family 
Then she came out on Facebook. Within 24 hours, had 400 likes and over 100 messages of support. Good. Then she did. A, then she did her coming out video on her YouTube channel. It's had almost a million views. Mm, good. Yeah, I've watched a number of those in my process as well. Mm-hmm. In my process as well. And I mean, I remember, you know, and I knew that this kid would be a game changer when she posted a video on her channel called My Face Wardenburg Syndrome. And it's a genetic hiccup, shall we say. Okay. That's passed down generation to generation. And it causes him to have small features. Mm. Um, In her case, she's profoundly deaf in her left ear. So, like, I know whenever we're walking somewhere that I have to stand to the one side to make sure that she doesn't, because she will go on a diagonal, not straight. Mm, Okay. Because, you know, she's like, it's almost like a bat, like you're echolocating. Yeah, of course. I said, you know, I'm, you know, bilaterally at the same level of deafness. So I can, you know, go in a straight line, but she tends to, you know, vary. So I'm always to the one side beside traffic. So she doesn't wander towards the traffic. Um, you know, it causes uh, to her to have wide set eyes. And again, small facial features. She's petite, which helps that she's a trans woman because she already looks the part. That does help. You know, I mean, uh, some people will get really pissed off about when we, whenever we discuss passing privilege. And I said, look, it can be the, the difference between you getting murdered and getting home safe that night. Yes, it can. I said, so as much as you hate and despise it, it exists. Um, you know, I said, I'm almost six foot tall, so I can be rather imposing if I have to be. <clears throat> and again, I use what people call my cop voice and I bark at people. <laughs> that tends to make them back off real damn quick. Oh, yeah. And I said, not only that, but I mean, I've been down here long enough. And it was funny because a friend said, and you know the name of every street person and every person that works in every shop in your area, don't you? I said, pretty much. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But she did this video. It went viral. Beautiful. It's had four million views. Yeah, those and those coming climbing. out videos are very important. Yeah, and it's still climbing. Oh, and, and it will. It will. Absolutely, yeah. it will. Because every day the there's somebody she, trying to find themselves. Yeah, I said to her at the time that she first recorded the video about her face, I said, honey, there are all those kids out there with Bordenberg syndrome who are looking around saying there's got to be somebody else who looks like me. Yeah. You just gave it to them. Yeah, exactly. I said, and in a 10-minute video, you hand them hope by the tree. You know, that you're not a freak. You're just one of all of us. And it's like, then the funny thing is, and she said, and I have done it, you Google, look on Google Images under Wardenburg Syndrome, they, it literally looks like you've taken the face off of one person and, and pasted it on everybody. Mm, I'll have to look that up. And I said she was bullied horrendously all through her school years. Yeah. Absolutely horrendous. And, you know, I get where her mother just, like, hated everybody around the school system, you know, with a passion. I said, yeah, because I would, too. Well, yeah. 
<clears throat> I said, yeah, I'd be down there yelling at people every day as well. And I said, you know, imagine some poor bullied kid who's had like the worst day of their life. And they come home and they do a, and they do a search and it pops her video. Yeah. And they go and watch it. And they see her and her mom who look exactly like they're clones. Mm. Again, it's that it's the syndrome that causes the similar looks. Right. Um, her mom and I are like sisters because we're like literally a couple of days apart in age. Mm. <clears throat> and as, as I say, you know, that's why she's country mom. I'm city mom. Right. And I said, they're going to watch that video. And it's like, Oh my God, I'm not the only one. I'm not a freak. Yeah. I said, and I think the same thing's happening with trans youth who have watched her coming out video called I'm transgender. Yeah. Yeah, Watching all those videos is what helped me in that uh, year before coming out, seeing that there are so many different people of so many different backgrounds and ages and what have you and stories that they were living their lives and I knew I could live mine. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always end the show with the 10 uh, Bernard Prevost questions, which uh, if you've listened to uh, Dara's interview, you heard her answer at the end of the uh, second part. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, the 10 in-depth questions that were on the Inside the Actors Studio with James Lipton. And it's one of those don't think too hard answer what first pops into your head. Right. So the first question is, what's your favorite word? Possibility. Good one. I like it. And next, what's your least favorite word? Can't. Uh, what turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Music. And what turns you off creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Negative people. That's a popular answer. Mm. What's your favorite curse word? Fuck. Yeah, I figured that would be it. <laughs> what sound or noise do you love? Laughter. And what sound or noise do you hate? Yelling. Yelling, arguing, fighting. Yeah. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? I would love to just once at least conduct the Toronto Symphony. And what profession would you not like to do? Coroner. Oh, yeah. And lastly, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates? I always knew you were a woman. Good job. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Now, I'll link this in the show notes to however many episodes it's going to be, but (laughs) tell the audience the best way to reach you, your Twitter, uh, whatever way to reach you on the internet. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Twitter. Twitter's probably the easiest one because you can follow me all over from there because you can trace back to Facebook. Um, I haven't done anything on Instagram in months just because I haven't really felt like doing pictures. Which I completely understand. Yeah. Well, it's just like I was I was going gangbusters with it and then I got such a 
dysphoria literally body slammed me after Christmas. After Christmas, mm. and I haven't. I like last night's book launch was the first time I've posted a picture in months. Oh wow! Wow, I I don't post as many as I first did, and I usually only post to my personal Facebook. I occasionally to the to the uh, podcast page but not too frequently and yeah i haven't posted many either it's just it hasn't hasn't felt right <laughs> no well i mean i i went on a, i went on a tear for a while just because it was playing with so many looks and having fun with it and the funny thing was is that i had a lifelong phobia about being in front of a camera mm. you could not uh, no way no how push me in front of a camera lens if I saw somebody with a camera pointed my way, I would almost manage to look away, look down, put something in front of my face. No. Hmm. When I started to transition, my best friend, who people, you know, people have often asked, are you two partners? Hmm. And I said, okay, you have partner in your head in a certain sense. You're thinking romantic, intimate, that kind of thing. I said, Miranda and I are partners in every way unimaginable, but that. I said, we are each other's biggest cheerleader. We are like soul sisters joined at the hip. I swear to God, we're joined at the brain some days. <laughs> right. I said, you know, we're like, we come from very similar backgrounds, very similar backstories. We both transitioned late in life. And she was the one who got me comfortable in front of a camera and they said how i said because she wanted to know what i looked like from week to week and so she got me into the practice of taking a selfie and sending it to her nice and i said to her, you know and she said to me one day she says you do realize i had an ulterior motive and i said what was it what besides getting me comfortable and taking pictures she said yes but you also have a transition diary now sweetheart Right, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like sneaky bugger. <laughs> well, Christine, this has been fabulous. I've yeah. I've been thoroughly enjoyed this. This is more than I ever expected. Thank you so so very much. Oh, you're so welcome. It's just like I love listening to you, especially Friday nights in bed and I sit and I lay there and listen to your podcast. That's yeah. like my end of the day, end of the week. Ah, <sighs> Thank you. That's actually that's one of the reasons why I chose Fridays to release it to start the weekend right for whoever uh, gets to listen to it on a Friday or Saturday morning. Yeah, and it's like, and if I God forbid if I fall asleep partway through it because I'll know because it'll be sitting there unfinished in my iPad the next morning, and it's like, okay, let's just mark that as unplayed, and I'll listen to it from the beginning again. <laughs> I've done that point, myself. At some point during the day when I'm awake. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And some of them go a little long, so I get that. Yeah. No, it's not even that. It's just like sometimes it's something about your voice when you're talking that's just calming. Wow. Thank you. That's and, quite the compliment. Thank you. Yeah. And it's like some people I find they're, it's either the manner they speak or the way in which they talk. Puts me on edge. Oh, well, yeah, of course. And <clears throat> we were talking about this this morning. Again, Mrs. Warren, the, who's a crazy bugger to begin with. And, um, and we got to talking about voice. And I said, people, I said, one of the questions that I always get asked, what are you going to do about your voice? Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my voice. What's wrong? 
And I said, let me tell you something, sweet cheeks. I said, one, it's my voice. Why should I change it? Um, those who know me well enough, like Miranda and a few others, have said, don't change your voice. You remind me of Lauren Bacall. Oh. I haven't heard her voice in my ear in a while, so I, I, can't, mm-hmm. I can't draw from it, but yeah. And I thought, oh, I must go listen. And I thought, hmm, I kind of do. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that. Um, you know, and Warren said to me, sure, you're not more like Tallulah Bankhead? I said, if I drop an uh, octave, uh, sure. I said, there's only one problem. I already had my nuts cut off, so they ain't going down anymore. <laughs> 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 oh, and I think I think right there is a good place to cut it. Yeah. I think right there is a good place to end this end this uh, uh, edit conversation and all of that. This is yeah. I'm gonna have to get you back on because this has just oh, been glorious. Yeah. Yes. This is this has absolutely been lovely. Thank you so very much for well for for following and listening, but also uh, taking the time to be on the show. Oh, I, I, I'm telling you, I would not have missed it. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. It was such a pleasure. It was. This is this is just a, a smooth, easy-flowing conversation, and those I mm-hmm. love. Of course. All righty. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I'll say it one more time. Thank you so very much, Christine, for sharing your stories, sharing your experiences, sharing that time with me to sit down and record. It was marvelous. I cannot thank you enough. So, folks, be sure to follow her on Twitter at HeyWriterGirl, H-E-Y-W-R-I-T-E-R-G-R-R-L, and let her know you heard her on the show. And again, if you haven't seen that video, 16 by 9, that she's referring to, check out the Facebook page, check out the show notes. The link will be there sharing this video. It is so important that so many people see this to really reflect the life that so many trans people go through. And to find out about that boy, Daniel, that she was talking about in the interview. There's the closing show music. Thank you, folks, for being here. If this was your first episode, thanks for sticking through. I appreciate it. I love you for it. You are no longer a virgin to changes in latitudes of transgender experience. You are now a returning listener, and I hope you come back for more. Returning listeners, thank you so much for being here. You know I love you. I'm always looking for guests, and I'm always looking for topics. Send them my way, changesinlatitudespodcast at gmail.com. Next episode... Next episode, I'm going to title, Get Out of Your Way. And I'm going to leave that right there for now. And now, as Jimmy Buffett says, if I couldn't laugh, I just would go insane. If we couldn't laugh, we just would go insane. If we weren't all crazy, we would go insane. Stay crazy, everyone. Take care of yourself. Take care of someone else. And I'll see you next week.
You've been listening to Changes in Latitudes, a transgender experience. I'd love to hear from you. So let me know what you think or what you'd like to hear about by emailing me at changesinlatitudespodcast at gmail.com or by leaving a comment on the Facebook page at facebook.com slash changesinlatitudespodcast or at the website changesinlatitudespodcast.blogspot.com. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and please leave us reviews and star ratings. Now, wait for it. Here it comes. Disclaimer time. Disclaimer time. Disclaimer I am not a doctor nor a lawyer, and I certainly do not pretend to be one. I am a trans woman who began her transition later in life. I am here to discuss my life, so I take no responsibility for your decisions based on my personal thoughts and experiences. If you are thinking about transition or are questioning your gender identity, first, please know that you are not alone in your thoughts and questions. Second, please seek the advice of a qualified gender therapist or at the very least a local support group. If you're having difficulty finding a qualified professional in your area, I suggest reaching out to the closest LGBT center near you. And lastly, please remember, always question the source when researching information on the internet. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no-derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less-than-complete reproduction requires permission from the host. Copyright 2016 by me, Charlie Sabrina Miller. Thanks for listening. Here's the end. You made it. Thanks for listening. And remember...